You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 23, the Bible says in verse number 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You know, it's amazing to think that when you have enemies surrounding you, the last thing you're thinking about is eating. Well, for some of us, if you're a Baptist, you still might be thinking about eating, but it's not going to be real practical to sit down at a table and have a table prepared in the middle of a battlefield. But hang on, we're not talking about any battle. We're not talking about any soldiers. We're not talking about just any general. We're talking about the Lord is my shepherd. And when you're in a battle, when I'm in a battle, he's still got it all under control. You say, well, what if there's a lot of enemies around me? Doesn't matter how many enemies are around you. There could be thousands. There could be millions. If God be for us, who can be against us? It's all going to be okay. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. This would be a place where you would think your needs would not or could not be met. But not only does God meet the needs, not only does he provide, but he prepares it. He takes his time. He does it exactly how he wants to do it. He prepares a feast for you. I'm not talking about MREs. I'm not talking about uh, rations. I'm not talking about scraps or leftovers. I'm talking about a meal that God prepares for his children because you will not leave God's table hungry. You will not be in God's provision and go hungry. The psalmist David said, Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Remember the miracle of the 5,000. Did Jesus have enough food for the 5,000 men plus women and children? You better believe it. But not only was there enough, the Bible says they were all filled and there was what? 12 baskets left over. God is in the business of not just meeting your needs, but God's in the business of supplying every need above and beyond. The song uh, we sang last Sunday night, I'm feasting on the manna from a bountiful supply. We are uh, taken care of in God's watch care. Now notice what it says in verse number five. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I want to remind us as Christians that we will face enemies. Jesus had enemies. As a matter of fact, he had enemies that crucified him. And Jesus said in 1 John chapter number 3, he said, marvel not, don't be surprised, don't be shocked if the world hates you. The Bible says to be uh, friends or friendship with the world is enmity, it's the enemy, it's the opposite of being on God's side. We have enemies, we have three enemies, your neighbor, your boss, and your spouse. And no, no, we have three enemies, we'll make sure you're listening. We have the world the flesh, and the devil. And those are enemies that you will have and I will have till Jesus comes back. We're in a battle. We are in a battle, but Jesus has told us as the great shepherd that even in the midst of the battle, 
God can give us peace to sit and to eat at the table that he has spread in the presence of our enemies. When you sit at a table, you're not in a hurry. When you sit at a table, you're not rushed. When you sit down, and when we sit down here in a few, few days, we sit down for Thanksgiving, isn't it a wonderful feeling when you can enjoy every item on that table? Or if the table's not big enough, every item on that countertop or every item on that uh, island or every item on that buffet or wherever it is, you can enjoy it. You're not in a hurry. And when God takes care of his children, he gives peace. He gives perfect peace to his sheep. There's no rush. There's no worry. There's no uh, hurry at all because God is in control. The enemies can look on, but the enemies cannot do anything about it when you are in the care of the shepherd. I think about David who is writing this psalm under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now David knew that his sheep, he would lead his sheep to the, the green pastures and he would lead his sheep to the still waters and David knew that he was on the lookout as the shepherd to protect his sheep from the enemy. But oh, we've got a better shepherd than King David. We've got a better shepherd than any man. We've got a better shepherd than any person could be. We have the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, who is our great shepherd who watches and cares for his sheep. Amen. We have a table prepared before, for us in the presence of our enemies. But notice the next phrase in verse number five. And I don't think we prayed when we started the message. I'm going to do that right now and I'm going to continue verse five. Lord, we've prayed many times in this service. Lord, I've prayed many times throughout this week for this service, but I come before you one more time, and I ask that you would help us not to miss these truths from your word. Holy Spirit, I believe you're already in this place, but I pray that you would fill every pew, every seat. I pray that you would speak to each and every heart, give us what we need from the word of God tonight. We ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. But next, David said, thou anointest my head with oil. Now, that's interesting. We don't do that in today's culture and today's customs. We don't do that. But in Bible times, the anointing with oil, the oil was a picture of refreshment. Like when you will take a shower like when you will bathe, when you will freshen up, when you will clean up. And boy, don't you feel good after a long day? Uh, you've been working and you've been sweating and you've been getting dirty. And, and just to, to, to take a shower or to clean up or to uh, put that cool water over your face and wash your face and wash your hands. And uh, David said, Lord, I've been in a battle. And boy, I've been in a messy world and I've been in a bunch of uh, nonsense and I've been surrounded by a bunch of wicked people, but I need you to anoint me with oil. I need you to refresh me. God, I need you to uh, give me the refreshment. But oil also speaks of gladness and joy. Some of us need to be anointed tonight with oil and you need to get your joy back. And I need to get my joy back and get our gladness back. And, and, and sometimes we, we, we view the Christian life as it's all duty. I have to do this and I have to go to church and I have to read my Bible and I have to pray and I have to give. Well, friend, we're supposed to do those things, but I feel sorry for you if your whole Christian life is a list of things you have to do because I want to tell you, we don't have to do it. 
we get to do it. What a privilege we have to open the pages of Scripture and what a privilege to fall on our knees and to say we can come boldly before the throne of grace and God is listening to us. And we can give and we can serve and we can worship God in this place. What a privilege. Uh, the oil speaks of gladness and joy. And what a privilege we have to serve God. But thirdly, the oil in the Bible is a representation of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you got saved, you got all the Holy Spirit you would ever get. But can I tell you this? The Holy Spirit does not necessarily have all of you that he wants. I wonder tonight how many would say, Pastor, 100%, the Holy Spirit has all of me, and he'll have all of me at work, and he'll have all of me at home, and the Holy Spirit's got 100% control. I hope that number's 100%, but if it's not 100%, it ought to be. We ought to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, His power and His control and His presence in our lives. David wrote in Psalm 92, he said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. We need the fresh oil of the Holy Spirit. We need the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit of God every single day. You see, God has done great things in my heart over the years. I think about some times where God has spoken to me at a, a teen camp. I think about times God has spoken to me at a conference or uh, at a, a summer revival. But we've got some great revivals that we've had here. We've had some great services, maybe a missions conference and God got a hold of you. Maybe it was at a, a, a youth meeting as a teenager, whatever. I'll tell you, I'm thankful for those things. And we, we need those things. That's why we have that for our young people. But can I tell you, just because you had it in your teen years, that's not enough for today. And just because you're a church member and you say, yeah, God spoke to my heart. I remember it was back in the summer of 2000. No, no, no. God's got to speak to your heart today. And the Holy Spirit's got to be real in your life today. And you've got to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God, not just in the past, not just back in the good old days, but you must have the presence of the Holy Spirit today. You must have it every day. You say, I've had it before. Yeah, but you need it again. And I need it again. We need our head to be anointed with the oil of the Holy Spirit of God. You say, well, pastor, how do I know that I've got the Holy Spirit all over me? I'll tell you one way you'll know. You'll be a witness. Acts 1.8, the Bible says, Ye shall be witnesses unto me when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Can I tell you, there's going to be a burden to tell people about Jesus. There's going to be a desire for people to be saved. There's going to be a desire to be in church. There's going to be a desire to serve God. When you have the Holy Spirit, there's going to be the evidence, the fruit of the Spirit. There's going to be love in your heart and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Those things will be in your life when the Holy Spirit has control. Do you have the fresh oil, the fresh anointing? Notice the next phrase in verse number five. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. One commentator said it like this. He said, do you mean to tell me that as a Christian, I get all of this. I get all of these blessings. I get all of the goodness and all of the mercy and all of the grace of God. I get all of this and I get heaven too. Are you telling me that I get all the blessings and joys of being a Christian down here, but I also I get to go to heaven? 
And friend, that summarizes my cup runneth over. It's when you get to the point where you say, God's been better to me than I deserve. I almost can't handle all the blessings. I can't handle all the good things. Uh, you'll start this week or next counting your blessings for Thanksgiving. I promise you, your list is going to be overflowing. You say, oh, no, oh, no, I'm going to have plenty of room. If you take the time, you won't be able to get everything on one list. You'll have to turn over the back. You'll have to get some extra pieces of paper because God has been so good. Brother Caleb preached a couple weeks ago, and he used that illustration of the milkshake. And he said, you know, I like it when I go places, and they don't, they don't shortchange me on the milkshake. He said, I love those places where you go, and they actually bring another cup with, like, the overflow. And can I tell you, sometimes in the Christian life, that's like how I feel. I feel like God's been so good. It's, it's just, the blessings just keep coming. And God's goodness and God's mercy, it's just overflowing. And when it's more than you can handle, what do you do? Do you throw it in the trash? Oh, no, you share it with somebody else. And boy, when God's been good to you, it's not for you to waste it, but it's for you to give it out. It's for you to share it. It's for you to be a blessing to others as God has blessed you. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. My cup runneth over. David said, God has been way too good to me. I just about cannot contain all the goodness. Notice verse number six. David says, surely goodness. Surely means truly. It means uh, uh, verily, it's, it's, it's absolutely, this is for sure, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness meets the need. Goodness is God giving us the good things we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us the punishment we do deserve. I'm glad for goodness and I'm glad for mercy. I'm glad that we get both. I've heard preachers preach this before, and I think this is absolutely right. But they said it's like this. It seems like everywhere you go, it seems like everywhere you go, you turn around and there's mercy following you. And every time you turn around, boy, there's goodness. And they, they both, they follow you and they're right there and they're right behind you. And I think that's true. I think that's good. But I think there's more even than that. Because in this psalm, we have seen the, the course of, a, of the sheep following the shepherd. David said in verse number uh, four, he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. It's almost like we see the sheep on a journey following the shepherd throughout. I think it's like this, and I need um, seven men. I always pick on the teens, so I'll let the teens have a seat. I need seven men. Teens, if you want to help me too, I need seven men that can come up front here across the front and help me. It's not going to be difficult. It doesn't, you don't have to say anything. You just have to hold something. I need seven men. Come on, brother. And I want you seven men just to line up right here. I'm going to give you these in, in order. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Perfect, just like that. I'm going to give you these just in the order I've got them, okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to show us just, just that side. Don't, don't turn it over, okay, right there. 
So I'm the sheep and I'm following the shepherd. And as the shepherd leads me, he leads me through a trial. And that trial for you is different maybe than the trial is for me. But I, I go through that trial and I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to make it through that trial? I don't, I don't want to face another trial. How many, any, of you, any of you like trials? Anybody in here? Because I might send some your way. You know, if I could, I would. I can't. But you know, humanly speaking, we don't like the trials. That's a burden. That's a difficulty. And whatever it is for you. Here's the next one. This is one that some of us face from time to time. It's the loss of a job. And I don't like losing my job, and so I'm hoping I'll be able to keep this one for a while, so in case you got any ideas. But you know, sometimes we'll go through a loss of a job. Sometimes we'll go through a situation at work, and it's not what we picked. Here's one. Sometimes we'll go through a car accident. Boy, those things can happen, can't they? And those things can change your life in a moment. And you'll go through a car accident and you say, I didn't want to go through a car accident. I certainly didn't want anybody getting hurt. I certainly didn't want to have to deal with all the, the rehab and the hospital. And all that. Would you men slide down this way? I want these folks over here to be able to see you too. Maybe right about, right about there. And then Brother Matt, you slide down a little bit. Brother Chuck, Brother Dale, slide down. Brother Mike, Brother Tony, Brother Mark. Oh, good, perfect, okay. But sometimes the, the, the shepherd's leading and sometimes we go through a, a car accident or another uh, accident of some kind. Here's one, and I don't like this one. It's the word sickness. Sometimes that sickness is diabetes. Sometimes that sickness means dialysis. Sometimes that sickness is cancer. Sometimes it's leukemia. Sometimes that sickness is nobody knows, and it seems like the doctors can't figure it out. I don't like going through sickness. I thankful I haven't gone through a lot, but many of you in this room, you have. And you're trying to follow the shepherd, aren't you? You're just trying to do what God wants you to do and just trying to stay on the course, but sometimes that happens. Here's one that some of us will face if the Lord tarries. It's a prodigal. It's a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. It's a child that maybe gets away from God. And... You think to yourself and you talk to the Lord and you say, I I've done all I know how. I brought my children up in church and tried to be a good example, tried to read the Bible, tried to pray, tried to be, a, a be what I ought to be, and yet my child has gone wayward and, 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 and we're following the shepherd. And sometimes we say, well, well, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Here's another one. And by the way, this happens many times and in many cases is something, something that we try, we do everything we can, but yet a marriage faces divorce. And we go through it and we say, Lord, I've done everything I can and I've, I've done everything that I know to do and yet that happens. You say, I'm trying to follow the shepherd. And I'm trying to stay on the path that God has. And, and we say, I, I don't understand this. I don't understand why I'm going through this. And then sometimes we go through this, Brother Mike. It's death. 
David wrote about it in Psalm 23. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you know that death that we experience many times is a loved one. It's a parent. It's a sibling. In some cases, it's a child. It's a grandchild. It's a dear friend. It's a dear co-worker. And we go through that, we say, Lord, I don't want to go through that, but the shepherd is leading, right? That's what this psalm is all about. The Lord is my shepherd, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we go through those things, and as we're facing those things, we say, I don't want to face the trial, and I don't want to face the loss of a job, and I don't want to deal with the car accident, and I don't want to deal with sickness, and I don't want to deal with the prodigal, and I don't want to deal with the divorce, and I don't want to deal with death and, 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 and loved ones that pass away, and we get to the end, and then verse number 6 kicks in. And we say, wait a second, I've been following the shepherd. I've been, just been, I've been following his leading and I've been going through the path that he has. And then we look back behind us. And I'm not talking about looking back, quitting on God. I'm not talking about looking back and getting away from God and getting away from church. I'm not talking about going back and saying, I forget this whole thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you get through these trials and you get through these burdens and you look back and Something's different because you don't see the trial anymore. You see something else in its place in every one of these spots. Would you mean turn your page over? And you look back and you say, wait a minute, that was when I lost a loved one. But God showed up and he was still good. And God was still merciful even in that difficulty. And in that situation there, I, I look at the trial and I think, but wait a minute, that's not something, that's not something that I would have planned and that's not something I would have chosen, but God was still good and God was still merciful. And you say, but pastor, what about when, when we mess things up and what about when we do something we shouldn't do? And we do. Can I tell you, your decisions don't change God's goodness. Your sin doesn't wipe away God's mercy. It's the other way around. It's God's mercy that wipes away your sins. Amen. It's your mistakes that allow God's goodness to be even more evident and more magnified. And you look back here and you say, you know, that prodigal, I saw God show up and I saw God's goodness and mercy. And I saw in that sickness, I saw God's goodness and mercy. And even in the car accident, and even in the loss of a job, and uh, even in the trial, I saw God's goodness and mercy. But you don't see God's mercy and His goodness until you get through the trial and you look back and say, wow. When I was going through it, I didn't see it. But now that I've come through the other side, I can look back and I don't see the trials and I don't see the burdens and I don't see the difficulties and I don't see the problems and I don't see all the awful things. I just look back and surely goodness and mercy, they were there all along. And God was with me even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank you, man. I'll let you be. So you can hang on to those cards for now. Thank you so much. David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's not a one-time event. 
That's an everyday occurrence. God said, David said, goodness and mercy is going to be there all the days of my life. When I was a young man, when I was a young adult, when I was middle-aged, when I was a, a, an older man, and when I go to meet the Lord, God's goodness and mercy will be there every step of the way. Boy, just one day with God's goodness and mercy would be great. But you get God's goodness and mercy, and I get God's goodness and mercy every single day. You say, well, pastor, you look back and you see goodness and you see mercy. What do you see ahead of you? The shepherd, Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, Paul said, the author and finisher of our faith. You look ahead and you see Jesus and you look back and you see evidence of goodness and mercy all along the path that God has led you. You see the one who gave his life for you is still leading and the one who loves you and the one who's never failed you and the one who's never forsaken you and the one who's never forgotten you, he's leading the path and he's charting the course every day as we follow him. Notice lastly, we see the place. Not only do we see the provision, thou preparest a table before me, we see the promise, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But then number 12, and this is in our entire uh, uh, series from Psalm 23, we see the place. David says, and I will dwell. That means to abide. It means to take up residence. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David's desire, his hunger, his thirst. He said, I just want to be in the house of God. He said, I want to be where God is. I want to be where God's people are. David's commitment was to be in the house of God forever. There were times in David's life when he couldn't be in the house of God. There were times he was on the run from King Saul and he couldn't get back to the temple. There was times he was on the run from Absalom and he couldn't get back to the church house. But David said, I just want with all my being, I want to be in the house of God. Psalm 27, verse 4, David said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I hope I never lose my desire to be in the house of God. I used to say I don't know what's on television on Sunday nights. That's not exactly accurate now with DVRs and all that. And I'll usually know there's some kind of a football game or some kind of a basketball game. But there's nothing on TV I'd rather be watching than being in the house of God. Uh, there's, no, there's no entertainment. There's no place. There's no amusement I'd rather be than being in the house of God. And I hope that's always the way it is for me. But can I tell you, if I ever lose that desire, I'll have to ask myself, is the Lord still my shepherd? I didn't say I'll have to ask myself if I'm saved or not. But I'll have to ask myself, am I still following the Lord like I should be and like I know I ought to be? The place, some have said that the house of the Lord, he's talking about heaven. I don't believe that's true. Because he said, I want to be in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. It's a given, as for a Christian, that after your days of your life are over, you're going to be in heaven forever, and hallelujah for the promises of heaven. But why would David want to be in the house of God? What's the significance of being in this place? One, it's 
where God is. And I want to be where he is. I want to be where God is present. I want to be where God is glorified. I want to be where God is at work. Another reason to be in the house of God is so we can worship him. I know you can worship him anywhere, but I doubt there's a lot of people in Roanoke Rapids on a Sunday night at home worshiping God. But I know there's a whole crowd of folks right here at Victory Baptist Church that are worshiping God and who have set time out of their schedule to say, I'm coming to God's house. I may not feel like it. I may have a busy week. I may have had a busy day. I may have had a, a long schedule this week, but I want to be in the house of God because I want to worship him. I tell you why I want to be in the house of God. I want to fellowship with God and fellowship with his people. You say, well, will that end when we get to heaven? Oh, no. It'll just be getting started. Because when we get to heaven, there will not be a need for the temple. That's because Jesus will be there. And where Jesus is and where Jesus is going to be forever is where you and I will be with him. You say, well, will, will we still experience goodness and mercy up there? Are you kidding me? The goodness and the mercy of God that we'll experience in heaven will be far beyond anything we'll ever experience down here. But I'll tell you this, it's pretty good down here. When you get through different times of life and different seasons of life and you look back and you say, wow, look at how God used that trial. Look how God showed up. Look how God was real. Look what God did in the midst of the valleys. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.